0: You are now listening to The Landry Shift Podcast, your number one source for Cowboys news and commentary, with your host, Alex Matthew what's going on everybody you are now listening to the Landry Shift podcast with your host Alex Matthew really excited to have a guest on today I have Mr. Marcus Mosher on from Bleacher Report Uh, really excited to have him on he's a must follow for all Cowboys fans especially now that we're getting close to the draft Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Marcus Mosher Um, pardon me Mosher Uh, Marcus how are you doing Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. And uh, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, draft season's coming up. It's one of my favorite times of the year um, where you can really sit down, dive in, a bunch of different scenarios you can look at. Um, before we go ahead and, and talk about the draft, I want to talk about kind of the obvious Sunday night, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. It's hard for me as a Cowboys fan. I'm sure it's hard um, for all of the Cowboys fans out there to watch that happen. But as you're watching the Eagles win, and you watch them throughout the season, missing big parts of their of their team throughout, Jason Peters, Carson Wentz, obviously, uh, Darren Sproles in the beginning, they lost a piece or two on defense, Jordan Hicks, yeah, the linebacker, exa- yeah, exactly, and and especially the the big one, obviously, Carson Wentz and having Nick Foles step in. Watching the Super Bowl on Sunday, what was your biggest takeaway from the Eagles? Uh, compared to the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, so in about the second quarter of that game, uh, I sent out a tweet that basically said the Eagles coaching staff is light years ahead of the Cowboys coaching staff. And I think that was apparent to everybody that watched that game. It's how the Eagles were able to put in a game plan to match up with the Patriots, how they were able to play without their starting quarterback, without their all-pro left tackle, uh, you know, without one of the better receiving running backs in the league. It was just an impressive performance by the Eagles, and it was a fantastic season for them. So I think the Cowboys, you have to look at that game, and you've got to find a way to, to be a little bit more mentally tough when adversity comes. And that's something that we've seen with this Cowboys team under Jason Garrett not, not thrive with. It. it seems like whenever they have an injury to one pos- position, um, you know, you can think of the Tyron Smith injury this year or Sean Lee injuries um, or the Tony Romo injury in 2015, they crumble. And that's something that can't happen when one player goes down. You've got to be a little bit more stable than that. Um, maybe with some of these new coaching hires on defense, especially things will turn around and maybe that's something that can happen down the road. But yeah, that was my biggest takeaway is that this Eagles coaching staff is aggressive. Uh, they're They're tough. Their team plays tough. They're fast. Um, You're hoping that the Cowboys can change that here sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I did actually retweet your tweet (laughs) because you're completely right. And I think the obvious – uh, throughout the season, Jason Derrick gets a lot of um, flat for not being creative or gutsy. And then you see on fourth down from the the two in the Super Bowl, they draw a trick play, you know, to, to throw the ball, to knit foals. Um, but I think you're right, com- it, extremely, with the facing adversity and in making in game adjustments. I know that there weren't a lot of in game adjustments this here in the Super Bowl, but you look at, you know, the Tyron Smith. Being out and their inability to make an in-game adjustment to give Chaz Green some help on the outside um, and at least put a tight end on there, or somebody to help him out. But the lack of in-game adjustments, the lack of creativity, and it's you know uh, game planning. I think you watch it and and you wonder why not? Why couldn't we do that throughout the season? Um, so definitely, uh, you know, some interesting things to look forward. To um next season. I'm not really one to look at the Super Bowl winner and then say, okay, let's do what they did, because it doesn't work that way. Right. You can do that every year and every year will be a different plan. Um but I think the past couple of years we've gone on a path of building through the draft now that Will McKay's hand Will McClay, pardon me, is handling the the draft room. Um so I think we've done a really good job about uh, with that over the past couple of years. Moving into that, into the draft, what's the one under-the-radar player that Cowboys fans should pay attention to or hope their team drafts?
1: Well, I think it's important to identify what needs do they really have. And I think we've kind of talked about this a lot on Twitter. I think Cowboy fans are pretty well uh, knowledgeable as to what they need. But they need a left guard. uh, They need a wide receiver. Uh, we need linebackers, especially if Anthony Hitchens leaves. But the one spot they really need to improve, and they haven't done it in a while, is that right defensive end mm-hmm. spot. Uh, they don't have a true right defensive end on the roster. The majority of those snaps this year went to Tyron Crawford. I don't believe Taco Charlton is the right defensive end in this league. I think he actually can be a pretty good left defensive end that you kick inside, uh, do three technique on passing situations. But it's the one spot the Cowboys really don't have uh, a a guy for. They just don't have one on the roster. Now, is it Randy Gregory down the road? I don't think you can ever count on him to come back. But that is the spot if you are going to upgrade the defensive line, you get a right defensive end. All of a sudden, your defensive line is becoming one of the best in the league. Um, (laughs) There's a couple guys out there in the draft that I think you could could, uh, help them. The guy that I really like is harold landry from boston college Uh, did not have a great 2017 season was dinged up a little bit early on in the season he got a lot of attention uh, because he was so dominant in 2016 he had 16 and a half uh, sacks this is a guy that you can play on day one you can play him in passing situations he's a little bit light he's about 245 pounds He's kind of in that Vic Beasley mold of pass rusher where you're going to be better off having him as a pass rush specialist. And if you can have a guy that can be uh, you know, a, a run stuff on first down like Tyrone Crawford, I think that match makes a lot of sense. So one of the guys that I want Cowboy fans to start paying attention to throughout this draft po- process is Harold Landry from Boston yeah, College. Yeah, and you had
0: him in your latest uh, draft from today. You had him as the number one pick. And I think you're completely right. What's crazy is we went from last year to being a really poor, you know, having a really poor defensive line to maybe now being one key piece away to having a above average or, you know, maybe yeah I yeah. say
1: dominant. They can be dominant if they can get a right defensive. Exactly.
0: Back. And especially if DeMarcus Lawrence can continue to play like he played last season. David Irving can continue to be consistent. Um if Taco Charlton keeps on developing. And um, you know who who knows Can I mention yes, sir, one quick course. point, r- real quick? If,
1: if they can get a right defensive end like Harold Landry, they almost have enough depth across their defensive line to have two really good units. Um, you know, think about the starters with Demarcus Lawrence, David Irving, uh, Malik Collins, and Tyrone Crawford. In just by itself, a really good unit. Behind that, you would have Taco Charlton, who you spent a first round pick on. Landry is that right defensive end. Uh, they like their guys in Dayton Jones and Lewis Neal. They do need to add another one technique, but they've got they've got depth at that position. Adding a right defensive end makes that unit not not just an above average one, but that makes it one of the top three defensive wow, lines really? in all football.
0: So you so we're that close. Okay,
1: very close. You already have two of the top five position players at the positions. Yeah. I mean David Irving deserves to get paid whatever money he's asking for. And that's going to be an interesting story to follow throughout the offseason to see what happens with David Irving, but they absolutely have a top 5 defensive end and they absolutely have a top 5 defensive tackle on their roster today.
0: Absolutely. So is Harold Landry your what's your best case scenario for that number 1 for that first round pick?
1: That's a tough question because I, some of the better players that that could fall to them, I don't necessarily love as much as uh, maybe some other people love. I know Tremaine Edmonds is a talented linebacker from Virginia Tech. Um, I, I just don't think he's ready yet to step in and play. Uh, I love Roquan Smith, but where does he start for you on day one? Um, I, Calvin Ridley is a good player, but what's his ceiling? Uh, Derwin James is another talented safety who's got the the measurables. But again, don't we kind of already have that player in Byron Jones? Uh, For for me, I think Harold Landry's a fantastic fit. Uh, I'm coming around on Maurice Hurst, the defensive tackle from Michigan. Um, And then, of course, the guy that's starting to pick up a little bit of steam here is Isaiah Wynn from Georgia. I think a couple weeks ago he was thought of as maybe a second-round guy. I think that's a guy that we seriously have to consider in the first round for the Cowboys. So yeah, my guys would be Landry, Hurst, and Isaiah. Yeah,
0: Wynn. as a being from Georgia and being a very big um, Bulldogs fan, uh, I've seen Isaiah win over the past couple of years. Consistent is is the biggest thing with him, and I do think he has started moving up the draft boards. He had a really good Senior Bowl um, week, and and I think I would love to get him at nineteen. I just I looked at some of our other needs, and yes, left guard is a big one. I think uh, this year we really r- realized how important uh, Ronald Leary was to our offensive line. I think Jonathan Cooper did do well towards the end of the season, um, but I, I would love to shore up that left guard spot. Roquan Smith is is one for me that I'd love to pick. Uh, I, I think he'll be gone maybe five or six spots ahead of us so it's gonna be interesting to see how it all falls now you do have uh will hernandez in the second round of that 50th pick on your latest mock draft when i'm looking at it i think if you got landry hernandez as a one two is that your best case scenario
1: Yeah, absolutely, because Hernandez is a starting guard day one in the NFL. Um, I don't think he's as consistent as Isaiah Wynn. I don't think he has the balance that Wynn has, and he certainly doesn't have the versatility to play tackle like Wynn did at college. Uh, But this is a guy that you can plug in, you can play on day one. If you grab the combination of Landry and Hernandez, I think that allows you to draft and maybe move around in the third round. Uh, For a receiver, this is one of the points that I've been making the last couple days is, that this is a very deep receiver class. Um, We've been talking about those names all the time, of the guys that could potentially be there in the second or third round, you know, your Michael Gallops, uh, Anthony Miller, DJ Moore. If you were to happen to grab those two guys, first Harold Landry, Will Hernandez, I think you would see the Cowboys get aggressive in the third round to make sure they got their guy at receiver. Um, See, I, I just love what the Cowboys could do with all their picks, if they get starters at right defensive end and at guard in the first two rounds, I, I think it would be an absolutely ideal so are scenario you pinning for pinning round three
0: as the, the, the time to draft a wide receiver?
1: I, I think that's going to be the spot. I think you're going to have a lot of receivers that go between 40 and 80. Now you're just hoping that your guy either falls to 80 or that he falls into a range that you can go up and get him. Uh, if the Cowboys wanted to move up from 80 to get a receiver, they can do that. They can throw in their fourth-round pick and move all the way up to about 65. I think that's the most reali- realistic scenario for them to get three starters in this draft at important positions is if you go you know, defensive line or offensive line in the first round, opposite position in the second round, and then go get your receiver in the third round.
0: So I have a question for you. If D.J. Moore is available at 50, do you want him?
1: <laughs> I, see, now,
0: I, now you're making me change my opinion a little bit
1: because D.J. is my guy. Um, yeah, I think D.J. is one of the guys that I would absolutely pull the trigger on at 50, even over a guy like Will Hernandez because I see star potential in D.J. Moore, and he fits his Cowboy scheme perfectly because he can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. He's the youngest receiver in the draft. I believe he's only 20, about 20 and a half years old. Uh, one of the most productive receivers in college. Uh, he for, for the people that believe in metrics, he's going to te- be one of the uh, analytical darlings. He has a great breakout age, a fantastic dominator rating. Um, I, I think this is a guy that you get in the second round, you plug into your starting lineup as a Z receiver, and he instantly makes the offense better. So that would be one of the guys that I would pull the trigger on at 50 I'm not sure how the rest of the league feels about him. I, I'm pretty sure they're not as high on him as I am. Uh, but, yeah, I would have no problems taking DJ more at 50. And if you press me hard enough, I would take him at awesome. 19 wow. as well.
0: So if we need him at 50, that's kind of a steal. Now, I like – you Absolutely. mentioned something that I think people don't realize or, or put into consideration in consideration and its age. Um, I, I mean – Yes sir. Age is almost is everything in the NFL. How many years can I get this guy at a prime level and I don't think that's considered uh enough. It's interesting because I I necessarily haven't been high off of DJ Moore uh, until recently, you know, following guys like you on Twitter, doing some research. But what I have been is is high on guys that fit his mold. I was on record with um uh, I believe it was Ken, Kevin Turner from 105.3 The Fan. We were talking the other week, and I mentioned how I believe the NFL is shifting away towards your Des Bryant's, your Mike Evans, your Julio Joneses, and going towards your Odell Beckham's, Antonio Brown, Jarvis Landry. That sits sits one, yep. you know, sits and a half sits one, two ten, two fifteen. Um, can play both slant and the outside. Now, of course, there's always gonna be your Julio Joneses, but I think the league is geared is gearing more towards that. My only th- not issue, but hesitation with drafting a wide receiver in the second and the third round is one, our coaches somewhat at some at times stubborn mentality in running the ball and our lack of creativity with wide receivers. And we're in this weird position where Des Bryant's on the decline. You never know what you can really do with Terrence Williams. That Prescott after this season, you know, you're unsure. But you also have depth at the wide receiver spot. So it'll be interesting to see do they spend a pick on that? Who get who drops down the depth chart? I would love them to use Ryan Switzer more in the offense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they would do with that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how they handle these receivers in the offseason because Terrence Williams is basically locked into his contract until 2019. Uh, We all know about Dez's contract. The guy that I think has the best chance to potentially leave is Cole Beasley because he has one year left on his contract, Mm -hmm. and he's got a replacement on the roster in Ryan Switzer. Is Beasley a guy that they try to move – you know, maybe during the draft, to a team that needs a receiver right away that can play. Maybe he's a guy that you know a veteran team targets. Um, we'll see. Something Absolutely. has to change with the, this receiver core. They've had the, they've had the same group since 2013. Starting, you can't go into the 2018 season with the top, same top three receivers once again.
0: Marcus, are you there? Okay. I'm, yes, I'm sorry. A little yep, delay. Can you hear me? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I think Dez is on the roster next season. You you really can't cut him. Uh, it's interesting your thought on Cole Beasley. I think that's definitely an option. But um, I would love a, a guy like DJ Moore. Um, expand the offense a little bit. Terrence Williams, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I really feel about uh, – he comes up in big situations. Yeah, you're right. And, and it's He shouldn't that- feel good. Uh, the Homer in me sometimes wants to defend him, um, but you're right. I, he's just—he's not a number two. You look at what the Vikings are doing with Thielen and Diggs, and you wonder why can't that be us, right? Or what the you know, Patriots do with literally anybody they—they right. they pick up off the street and put into their offense. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I think DJ Moore at two would be awesome—a kind of a luxury pick in a way, just based on the depth and how many wide receivers we have on our roster. Um, but one position that I really feel like isn't being talked enough about for the Cowboys is a swing tackle. Um, is there anybody in the draft that you can kind of pick out that would be a great you know, three-position uh, tackle for the Cowboys? <sighs> That's a tough question
1: because it- – where are you going to spend a pick on that player? Because if you're spending anything after a top 100 pick on it, it's a total shot in the dark. I mean, it's just it's just hard to find quality mm. offensive linemen after the third round. Now, one guy that I like, but it comes with a caveat, is Brett Toth from Army. Um, I think this is a guy that can develop into a fantastic right tackle in the NFL. Um, he's got some zone ability. He's he can move. He's got size. Um, I think that's a guy within a year of playing in the NFL develops into a starting caliber tackle. However, he has an Army commitment that it's unsure when he's going to have to fulfill that. Is he going to have to do that as soon as he is drafted? Or is he going to be a guy that can come in and play right away and then maybe two years into his career he's got to leave? So he's a guy that I'm willing to throw one of their late sixth, seventh round picks at. Uh, because if he has to go over for two years and serve that commitment, um, you can put him on your reserve list, and then maybe maybe down the road when you need a tackle, he'll be coming back for you. So it's going to be tough. Uh, I think they would ideally if they draft an offensive lineman uh, high, like in the first two rounds, they would like to draft a guy like Isaiah Wynn, who has some experience at tackle that gives him that position flex. I just don't see them grabbing a tackle uh, beyond the top 100, because after that, it, it's just a yeah, shot in the right dark of what the, you're going to get.
0: What you mentioned about Isaiah Wynn, I mean, he did play a lot of tackle in um, in college, so that could be a position where you know you draft and be your starting left guard, but you also have some flexibility and some versatility with them. I, I, I think it's obvious that Chaz Green sure. is not the answer for that swing tackle. Um, you know, they put in a couple of years, and in, in, um, you know he's had injury troubles. This year is kind of the first year he's really gotten some significant time and just did not do well. Um, but moving on from that, I noticed – yes, sir, of course. Can I make a –
1: Yeah. Can I make one quick one quick prediction? Uh, I, I have a feeling that the swing tackle this year is going to be a guy that Paul Alexander, their new offensive line coach, brings over from Cleveland, whether that's Andre Smith, whether that's Cedric Oboehy or Jake Fisher – my gut tells me it's going to be one of those former Bengal guys coming that onto this sense. roster I mean, to be yeah, this that's something I didn't tackle. think
0: about, and that's something to look towards. You know, as the free agency progresses. Um, yeah, no, very solid uh, uh, point there. I noticed in your latest mock draft from today, you have a, a running back in um, the fourth round. Um, I think a running back is a definite need uh, this draft. Alfred Morris is, is probably going to be gone in uh free agency. I like what we have in Rod Smith. However, Ezekiel Elliott is still a question mark, um, in terms of behavior. Sadly, I mean, I don't want to, uh, necessarily pin him as a bad aid just because of this past season, because as we all know, I think it was a multitude of different a- instances that played into that since James suspension, mm-hmm. not just the completely unfair, uh, domestic violence, um, Accusation. So I, I think running back is a, a solid um, need. What are your thoughts on Sony Michelle from Georgia, and where do you see him landing? And and is he is he viable for the Cowboys? Yeah. So Sony is a
1: guy that I've loved throughout the throughout the season, and now that we're getting into NFL draft season. He's starting to become a guy that's a little bit overrated. I I saw some takes last week where people were wondering if he is uh, better than Saquon Barkley, and I I just laugh because this whole process gets absolutely insane at this time of year. But um, yeah, so I, Sony is a guy that I think I think fits in well with what Dallas needs. Along with Ezekiel Elliott, he's a pass catcher, a uh, space back that you can move them all across the field. You can have them play in a slot. You can have them both play together. Uh, he can help you on kickoff returns if you do that. Um, I, Sony is a great player. I think he's going to be this next Alvin Kamara if he gets in the next in the right offense. If he's on a team that can get him the ball in creative ways, I think he's going to be fantastic. Uh, I've been charting him for some different projects that I'm working on and almost all of his carries come against pretty light boxes, six and seven man fronts. So he's not a guy that you want to just pound in the middle of a defense all game long. You want to be creative with him. You want to get him in space. You want to try to get him where he's being able to make one guy miss instead of, you know, inside the tackle box. So I think Michelle is probably going to go in the top 50. I doubt he gets to the Cowboys second round pick, but if he does, yeah i would be for that pick because one he can thing with that pick make is make your is offense if you draft more a guy explosive. like
0: him you have to commit to using him in creative ways which isn't something the cowboys you know necessarily like Absolutely. to do so um if they drafted him i would hope it would be with the understanding that yes we know we're not creative we're trying to expand our offense a little bit and and that would be kind of proof of that so um
1: can I give a real Love quick
0: uh, comparison
1: of Sony Michel in the NFL? Because I think people are going to compare him to Alvin Kamara, and I, and I understand that. To me, what he he what he looks like is the version of Reggie Bush that we saw uh, in Detroit, where he, this is a, a fantastic part-time running back that you want to get 10 to 12 touches a game as a runner, as a receiver. Uh, doesn't have probably elite speed, but has quickness. And his vision uh, is going to make up
0: for that. So um, I think we've covered most of what I would like to talk about in the draft. I do have two questions for you. Um, Going into the next season with the players we have on our roster now, is Dat Prescott an above-average starter going into the future? (sighs) That's a tough
1: question. Um, I would say yes. I think we saw this year. It was. You know, the first half of the season was really good for Dak. You know, even even through the tough games in the Denver game, uh, he played well. Um, and I think they need receivers to help him out. He obviously has some aging weapons there. Uh, assuming that Ezekiel Elliott is healthy, if the offensive line is healthy, yes, Dak Prescott is
0: an above-average starter. Well, let me ask you this. You mentioned if Ezekiel Elliott's healthy, if the offensive line is healthy – Isn't that the case for most quarterbacks in this league? I mean, shouldn't it take a little bit – shouldn't he need not as much to be able to be above average?
1: Well, I, I, I think that's a really good question we just got done talking about at the beginning of the show, how the Cowboys offense needs to be more creative and how they need to do better jobs of creating mismatches on offense. Dak is kind of handicapped as to what kind of offense Absolutely. he's in. And remember, this is a guy that's just in a second year starting. Uh, I'm yeah, confident I'm that going to have a much better uh, season next by
0: year. By um, I think I wasn't as high on the hype coming off of his rookie season because I knew um, I kind of expected this, not the, drastic uh, kind of downturn um that this that he had this season however i, I do think he'd be an above average starter i don't think he's going to be you know top five top six however i don't think we need him to be if we keep the course we're going and we and we build our team the way we're building our team um i think what he has that tony romo didn't is that Prescott's going going to be able to play with a very good offensive line, a very good defensive line, and a very good young secondary. Tony Romo never had all of those things, um, in my opinion, uh, and I, I think that hurts him in terms of postseason runs more than anything. So uh, so we talk about that. Press Absolutely, I would agree. We about the wide receivers. Can Des Bryant rebound next season?
1: Yeah, I just think he needs to stay healthy. Uh, He's a player that his confidence was uh, shaken early in the season with his knee injury in that Kansas City game. Uh, He kind of lost faith in his quarterback. Um, I think he even lost a little bit of faith in himself. I do think... Dak can get back to that elite level. Now, they've got to redesign their offense a little bit because teams know too often what's going to happen with Dez, what routes he's going to run in certain situations. Um, So they got to change that. They need to get some help opposite him because Terrence Williams just wasn't beating single coverage enough. And that forced Dak to force the ball to Dez um, in, in contested situations. Assuming they can get more help uh, on the right
0: side, I think I agree that, or with I think Dez I'm not forecutting him. back I think, season. Um, I think the Dak and Des, you know, connection and chemistry thing was really blown out of proportion a lot going into this season, and I think there were times where that press got focused on that too much, forced him the ball, and that kind of it was like a snowball effect, right? You know, forced him the ball a lot, didn't work out people talk about it more. So he tries to force him the ball more to, to did a more touches. And it just ended up snowballing compound on compounding on each other and kind of came to a head during the Seahawks game. And, and that was just a mess. So I think he can, I don't think he's at the elite level anymore. Granted that elite level and that elite production um, doesn't fit our offense. And in a, in a, in a day of it and, In a day and age of fantasy stats and fantasy points and everybody's so worried about catches and touchdowns, and that's all anybody focuses on, I feel like Des Bryant can be productive in other ways next season, not just on the stat sheets.
1: I 100% agree.
0: I, I do think fantasy
1: football has changed our view of how we rate receivers, and uh, it's not fair to Dez. It's not fair to some of the rec- receivers that are on uh, run-heavy offenses, and that's why I think Dez can ba- bounce back. I, I don't care what the stats say. I, they, he just needs to be an ex receiver that can dominate on the outside. So, um, I, I I don't think it's a stretch to think he can get back to the same level that he was even playing at in 2016 when he was a pretty dominant yeah, force he's still one of the in the second five half of the red zone. Th-
0: oh, hold on. Top 10 red zone threats in the NFL by far. You really? Who's your one and two?
1: Oh, see, I think he's top three still. I, I really do. Yeah, because... I mean, if you made me choose right now, I would still choose Dez over anybody else in the league just because of how good he is on fades and back shoulder throws. I, I just don't see... I don't see anybody else that can do it as consistently well as he can do it by using his body to box out defenders um, and, and being able to high-point passes. That's still a strength of his game. Mm-hmm. He's just with a quarterback now that doesn't excel at that like Tony Romo did. And I, they'll get they'll get better at it. It's something that they need to work on. But yeah, Dez is still the best receiver in the league in, in yeah, dictating red zone I, matchups I, and winning in the I red zone. I think it's
0: tough because I think – that press is hindered by how good of a connection Romo and Bryant had. And it's just people expect it to click right then and there. And it's just not that's not the case. Um absolutely, yeah. And
1: remember, it didn't click for Romo and Des for the first two, you know, it really wasn't until the second half of the 2012 season that Des and Romo really clicked. So it's yeah, it's not fair to Dak to compare on two you know, Tony Romo. off 2004 right. So one last question get you out of here. this year,
0: how scared should Cowboys fans be that, um, Kellen Moore is our quarterbacks coach? <laughs> ah,
1: they shouldn't be too afraid. Um, Dak pushed for him. Uh, it's a guy that Dak trusts. Uh, you don't have to be a great, quarterback in the nfl to be a successful quarterback coach my goodness just look at doug peterson and the eagles peterson was not a good nfl quarterback but he just developed into one of the better play callers in the nfl uh, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much most of that responsibility anyways comes down on jason garrett and scott linehan two former quarterbacks uh, i think kellen moore is going to be just there to uh to sit next to prescott in the meetings pump him up tell him how good he is and then scott linehan's going to tear him apart so He'll be a fine. It's not going to be the difference fair. in the Cowboys going fair enough eleven and to five you, or
0: that's a good seven point. To nine, If that makes um, sense, I mean, I thought there were some potentially better hires out there. However, I like that we stayed in house. It's very well known how well Kellen Moore knows the offense. Him and Scott Linehan work really well together. I feel like this is almost like a developmental hire. Maybe keep him in house. See how we can develop within the coaching staff and maybe you know, look to him in a couple of years for a promotion. Awesome. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. It was a blast. Yes, I, I would, would agree. certainly appreciate it. As always, guys, you can follow the show at Landry Shift Show uh, on Twitter. You can follow my personal Twitter account at A-M-Matthew24. That's A-M-M-A-T-H-E-W-24. Follow Marcus um, on Twitter at Marcus Mosher. And uh, Marcus, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on.